0: Welcome to the Get Transformed podcast, where we transform the journey of Jewish divorce from hellish to healing.
1: We're your hosts, I'm Allie. And I'm David. And we've both personally navigated the challenges of divorce in the Jewish world.
0: We started this podcast when we each found that while there's often a lot of community support and education for things like child rearing and marriage, there's a real gap of support people in our community going through divorce.
1: We're also both Jewish educators, coaches and healers. So we're offering practical tools, perspectives and real life examples from our own clients that will change your challenging experience of divorce into an opportunity to transform your life in powerful and beautiful ways.
0: Join us as we delve into a new topic each week, answering real life questions and sharing parts of our journey with you all.
1: David, welcome back.
0: Welcome to all of our listeners.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, We are going to put the Jewish in our podcast today (laughs) in terms of, you know, why this is the Get Transformed. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about some very specific um, ideas, challenges, and things to navigate related to... um, Jewish holidays and Shabbat, and I think it was prompted by a client question. So, what what were we? What are we dealing with?
0: Yeah, we've we've up to now we've been covering a lot of stuff that's kind of um, equal for all people going through divorce, and we wanted to really focus in on some of the features that are exclusive to a uh, Jewish-related divorce. And you know, the question that one of my clients is currently going through a divorce, and he and his Future X are trying to navigate um, scheduling and, you know, navigating, you know, there's, there's a lot of standard lawyer practice for, you know, two to five or week in a week for all different like setups for kids, for timing, for, for parent time, but there's not often, you know, a lot of nuance when it comes to Jewish festivals, Shabbat, you know, all the different, um, Jewish-related ways of dividing things. You know, how do you how do you deal with again, for the festivals when you've got, you know, a two-day yontif or a three-day yontif, whatever it may be. Right, all these things are dependent upon your religious levels and where you're located physically. Are you within within, within walking distance? Not within walking distance. Do you drive? Do you not drive? You know, so a lot of very technical things have come up with his with his divorce and so he's kind of looking looking to me for some guidance. So we thought we'd use that as a springboard for today's episode.
1: Awesome. So I think how we're going to approach it is we're going to break it into sections because um, there's a lot to co- that we could cover here. But I think we're going to divide it into three somewhat. We're going to talk about logistics when parents are on the same page religiously, but just sort of working out like, OK, how do we organize Shabbat holidays, et cetera. We're also gonna take a look at when parents are on different pages religiously. Um, And then we're gonna look at um, simply how do you navigate holidays and Shabbat on those days when you're by yourself, when the kids are with with your ex, or if you're suddenly, you know, if you don't have kids, you're on your own for the holidays because maybe you're not with your ex's parents or your ex's family. So we're gonna kind of chunk it up into these three different scenarios. So um, where should we start?
0: We, we wanted to put out there, even before we dive into the nitty gritty d- nitty details. Sorry for my mouth not working today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a general rule that we wanted to apply across all situations. And right, that is that go for it? No, oh, you, you want to go for it?
1: Nope. you could you do there's it?
0: Obviously, a delay here between Detroit and Toronto. Um, the 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 general rule is the more Amicable your relationship is with your future ex or with your ex, the less details are needed to be locked in during your divorce agreement. And conversely, the less amicable it is, the more details you'll need to lock in during the divorce agreement. So, for example, you know, who buys the gifts on Hanukkah? Right? For people who are into gifts on Hanukkah, right? It is Something that if you're if you're chill with your ex, if you guys can communicate well and and interact well, so then you'll just figure it out when it comes up. It's not going to be a headache because you know how to navigate things well. But the less amicable you are, the more you're really going to have to be explicit. And there's a terminology in, in the Torah, Rachel which means when Jacob was when Jacob was dealing with Laban with Laban, um, just trying to get, marry one of his daughters, he knew he was dealing with a trickster. So he said, I want to marry Rachel, your daughter, the young one. So he said, first, Rachel, because that's who he was talking about. Then he realized, oh, you know what? He'll just grab someone from the marketplace and call her Rachel and said, here you go. So he said, no, your daughter. And he's like, oh, you know what? Maybe he will call his older daughter Rachel and then give me that one. So he says, your, your younger younger daughter. So he was exceptionally clear with the details because he knew he was dealing with a trickster. And so that terminology, Rachel Rachel, your daughter, the young one, is the expression for when you really need to get into the details with your with the person you're dealing with. So, less amicable, you really need to make sure that all the pieces are on the table at the beginning and and it's signed off.
1: Yeah, and I think this applies across the board where there's any relationship that's stressed. You want more structure. Um, so that you can make up for what isn't there in just the normal day-to-day flow, good feeling, making decisions in the moment, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's just uh, an easier way to go if you you know, cross the T's and dot the I's in your agreement. If things aren't amicable, you at least have some structure to fall back on. So um, so yeah, that's the principle right, that we're going to work on right, here.
0: That good fences make great neighbors.
1: Right. And good agreements make for a much easier divorce. So, <laughs> um, especially if things are are tense and not amicable and, and harder to navigate together. Um, okay, so why don't we dive into kind of the first pieces like When uh, when parents or spouses are on the same page religiously, meaning that their level of observance is around the same, how they celebrate Shabbat's the same, how they're going to celebrate the high holidays is the same. Um, What are some of the things? Let's discuss some of the things that come up and some of the ways to navigate that.
0: And I'd just like to put a heads up for all those people listening out there that aren't on the same page as their ex that that's totally normal and regular. And like, this is, it's unusual that you'll find it equal. There's all be, all, almost always some variation. So don't be alarmed if that's the case in your case, it, it happens and it's nothing to be stressed. I just wanted to put that at the beginning, cause you could be listening and wondering, wondering, oh, talking about this, this doesn't apply to me. Just hold on. Everything applies to everyone, but you know, we're just starting where we're starting. So logistics, if people are on the same page. Um, what do you kind of suggest to your clients in terms of, let's say, a general overview of all the different hagim and Shabbat? Like, is there a general plan that you...
1: So I think, you know, going back to what we stated at the beginning, it's important to note, like, how much of this can you get squared away um, when you're developing your agreement in the first place? Um, I think one of the things that's important to note, if you don't have an agreement yet... Um, a lot of the time precedent is very important. So the first time you're going to celebrate holidays separately is going to start to establish a little bit of a template. So I think it begins with the way that we always talk about things is sitting down and thinking for yourself, how do I want the holidays to look? When do I want to have my kids? Are we going to separate, say, if we think about something like Rosh Hashanah where there's two meals, Right, There's the first night and second night. Are we going to divide those meals up one night with one parent, one night with the other parent and their family? Are we going to do, you know, this year both, you know, Rosh Hashanah is with this person and their family and next year Rosh Hashanah is with this person and their family. There's lots of ways that you can do it, lots of creative ways you can do it, especially if you live close to each other. Um, If you live walking distance to each other, if you live close enough to each other, the kids can go back and forth. If you don't live close to each other, then you have to make up a different plan. But the whole idea is take a look at your circumstances. Take a look at um, what the kids want, what you want, how you want this to look, and then come up with a very clear proposition for how this can go. Um, And then have that as part of your agreement going forward. Um, so I would say, you know, first get clear on what you want.
0: Yeah, and that's something I don't think is can be understated, especially for there are, you know, we've often been talking to the people pleasers out there. And so people pleasers often actually don't know what they want. Right. They have a hard time identifying what they actually want.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so it's it behooves our people in that kind of situation to put pen to paper to schmooze with people to kind of just talk it out loud because there is a real if you get better at looking inside of yourself and digging a little bit i think we said this previously you can often decide what you do want by what you don't want
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: by being really it's a lot easier to be clear on what you don't want and that can help you point you in the direction of what you do want. oh i don't want to be at the table at the seder table with my ex
2: yeah right
0: that could be something that's clear for someone Right. right? Oh, I I don't want to. I don't want my kids to not see me over Rosh Hashanah. You know, I, whatever it is. But being getting clear on what what really feels bad to you can help you point you towards you what you do want. But it's really yep. important that you not l- let your your ex um, determine how this is going to go. You need to come with a plan, and you can always negotiate, and you can always like you're not right. looking to be to, to bully your way through things, but If you don't have a plan, you will be pulled along by their plan.
1: Right. If it's important to you. I I mean, that's the other sort of piece of the puzzle. Like if this isn't something that's particularly important to you right now, then it may well be that you do um, put it in the hands of the spouse that for whom it is more important to them. So, you know, that's just something to mention as well. Um so I think like one of the pieces that I wanted to mention in relate in regards to this is um when you have a separation agreement, or um, you know, when you have your divorce agreement, you will have a regular schedule with the kids. And one of the questions to ask is, do you want a different schedule for holidays, and will that schedule change year to year, or that will that be the same kind of all the way through? So I just wanted to, you know, in the column of things I wish people had told me, you know, while I was in the process, I think it's just helpful to know that you can really get creative and dictate the terms of what that's going to look like from year to year. Um, And that's just something worth thinking about. Um, You know, you mentioned presence over Hanukkah. My ex
0: and I did did a. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, definitely today. Um, My ex and I did a year, a two year schedule for the holidays. Right. So that it's very hard to balance a single year because it's just you know, two days at the beginning of the festival, two days at the end of the festival, intermediary days, and uh, who gets what where. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and being that it's almost impossible to, to balance it out properly in one year, we did a two year schedule so that whatever one person got one year, it would be flipped. And that sometimes means that there's a little bit of um, it's a little bit uneven from time mm-hmm. to time because, right. like, one year when you go to a three day festival, right? If it goes. Thursday, Friday, Shabbat, you know, if, if you're not in driving distance. So that means that you're now getting three days in a row. Whereas right. the next year could be that you only get two days and, and then a break before Shabbat. So it doesn't, it's not a perfect, it, it's not a perfect setup, but it's as good as you can possibly get it having a two year schedule. So right. that, you know, let's say for Hanukkah, you want to be, you want to have the first four days of Hanukkah go by you because that's when you have all the, par- all the parties with your family, whatever it is. So you can do that every other year.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also dictated by do you live in the city with your families, you know, because more often than not, if you live in a city and both of your families are there, the families are going to want to see the kids one Seder. So you'll do one Seder with one spouse and one Seder with the other spouse so that both of the families can see the kids like there's lots of different parts to that decision. If you don't live in a city where your family is, then that can change your arrangement. So looking at all of the different mitigating factors to how you're making that decision and what's important for the kids and what's important for you during the holidays is just gonna help you make a good schedule. Um, One of the things I did wanna mention is, um, you know, that Shabbat, if you live close enough or, and um, if you're Shabbat observant, you know, one of the things to maybe talk about is if, say, Shabbat right now is with your ex and the kids want to walk over and visit the other um, spouse, you know, is that okay? That's something to be discussed. I think there's a lot of how flexible is that? Like if the kids are with one spouse is that they're only with them. They're not allowed to necessarily go see the other one. Um, can the spouses drop by each other's houses during Chag? Like There's just so many pieces that I think are worth thinking about. And the more detailed um, you get in terms of thinking through all the possibilities, the easier the chagim will be because you won't be trying to navigate the schedule and all of the logistics while you're just simply trying to get ready for hug. And or, or Shabbat, so it's it's super helpful to kind of go through a few of those things. Okay.
0: Yeah, thought passed through my mind as you were talking, and then Mm -hmm. it kept on passing through.
1: Um, (laughs) Um, I think one of the other things that we're, you know, going to deal with uh, throughout this particular episode is, again, coming back to the episodes where we talked about having hard conversations and dealing with boundaries. So anytime you're going to be navigating schedule or logistics or um, very what can be very reactive and heightened conversations around family and holidays, you're going to have to navigate hard conversations and to be able to assert your boundaries so that those conversations and those schedules go um, to the best for the kids. Um, So just sort of, if you, if that's something that you're struggling with, we do have some previous episodes where we talk about having hard conversations.
0: Yeah. The, the two things I was going to mention, one of them was about boundaries, just being super clear about what feels right to you in terms of having your ex at your Shabbat table, not Mm -hmm. having, not being at their table, you know, these things change, these things Mm -hmm. can change, but you've got to at the beginning, at least, you have to know what doesn't work for you Mm -hmm. because that can, you can always rescind a no, it's hard to it's hard to enforce a no when you've already said yes. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. so you can always say, you know what, uh, I've changed my mind. It's okay if you come around for your butt, but you can't say I've changed your mind. Don't come over anymore. That it's harder to say that. It's possible to say that, but it's it's just you want to you want to err on the side of you know what? Let's let's put up a boundary right now because you know this is what works right now. The other thing I wanted to mention was there are sometimes that often for men that they don't have their children at all over Shabbat. Mm. Sometimes it's a setup that the mother always gets the kiss of Shabbat. And so, you know, that can be both for the children and for the husband very rough to not ever have that connection over Shabbat. And so you want to figure out if you can find some creative ways of making it work that that there can be some crossover, whether it's having him for Friday night dinner, right. or whether it's, you know, speaking to both spouses right now, the men and the women. Mm-hmm. It's in the interest of your children to have a a male Jewish figure in their lives. And, you know, however challenging that might be, but it's worthwhile considering the benefit for your children. Obviously, not to the detriment, major detriment of yourself, everything's got to be balanced, but just to put that into perspective, because there are people out there that aren't splitting up 50-50, they aren't splitting up 64 they're doing it heavily weighted towards the woman and so figuring out a way to to make that work so that the children do see their father during the hug is important
1: yeah absolutely awesome okay so maybe let's go from here to
0: so our basic point of the logistics our basic point of the logistics was think things through for yourself mm-hmm. get it clear put everything down on paper so that you can really at a really solid agreement that works for you and is c- clear.
1: Yeah one of the things that I did in the first couple of years of my divorce was I actually would make up a calendar that was blocked out with who had who when right? Like the days that I had it were in yellow, the days that my ex had them were in blue. And I just printed it up for the whole month of the high holidays. So it was very clear for both of us where the kids were when, and I would put it up on the fridge so that the kids also could see where they were when. And I Virgo think, place, right? <laughs> can you tell? <laughs> um, it was very satisfying. <laughs> yes. I like charts. All of those people that are in my, my groups and my classes now, I, I like visuals. Um, so, but it was really helpful because then the kid, everybody, Everybody knew where they were supposed to be when, and there was no confusion because, especially once, if you're observant, once the holiday starts, if you haven't clarified what time there's a changeover or what day there's a changeover, you can't get in touch with each other. um You know, unless you're that walking was, back. Literally, forth. the next
0: thing I was going to say is one of the things that you don't think about when setting up these agreements is the time with which you do the switchover. It's yeah. one of the one of the things that you know when let's say let's say it's person a's week it's the wife's Mm -hmm. week but the husband has first night seder right so when do the children go from the wife to the 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 mother to the father right when does it happen exactly
1: so i think it it depends i think it depends right if they're at school is it right after school right But Um,
0: yeah my point is just, just to have that clear right it's a it's a minor thing seemingly minor but it can really, no it's
1: major <laughs> like, calls
0: major because yeah cause Haag, you, you're right before the festival, and like it's the most stressful time and suddenly you're like where are the kids or or the kids get dumped on you or whatever it may be so yeah. knowing okay 6 p.m that's when we always do it 6 p.m is always a time or whatever 5 p.m if it's early enough that the sunset whatever it may be yeah so the time when it switches up. because it doesn't match up with a regular day, it needs to be spoken out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's also important because on those days that are Shabbat or our hug, if there are switchovers on those days, it's also important to know who's responsible if something happens um, to the kids. Um so who's the parent that people find that get in touch with, et cetera, et cetera. So those switchover times are also really important. Um okay. So should we move to the next piece?
0: Oh, the exciting piece.
1: All right, so what happens when parents are not on the same page in terms of Jewish observance? Uh, Maybe one parent is um, secular, one parent is more religious. Maybe they have different ideas about observing Shabbat and what that looks like. Maybe they have, you know, they could be slightly different or they could be radically different. And so how do we navigate then holidays and Shabbat and all of those things um, when the kids are going back and forth to different places. So where should we begin on this?
0: Um, so one of the points I want to bring up is that there's there's a logical side to this and, and the logical side is almost irrelevant. Right. Um, in that, let's say that there was a certain level of observance that the children grew up with,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: which is often, often the, the trend is usually, it's not always the case, but the trend is usually if there is a change, they were more religious and now one of the spouse is less religious. That's like the trend. It's it's rare that you have people who are both, you know, certain of religiosity and one of them goes much more religious and that becomes a point of attention. It happens. Mm-hmm. But the general trend is you have a religious couple and then one of them becomes less religious. And so navigating that is usually, it's usually the trend. So if there is a difference. So although technically from a legal perspective, there is this idea of precedent that hey, you, you the children were brought up in a certain way. Yep. you were obligated now to continue in that way. So there is meaning, is...
1: meaning just to say like if kids were brought up in. Uh you know, relatively religious home, that the courts feel that for the best um, chance for the kids of having a certain sense of stability, a certain sense of continuity, a, a feeling of things, you know, many things are changing, but many things are still the same. The courts will generally say you agree to continue to raise the kids at the religious observance level that they've been brought up in.
0: Thank you for making that much better said <laughs> um, so with that in mind that's although that may be 100 percent accurate legally speaking on a very practical basis mm-hmm. it's almost a meaningless um, situation in that unless you're going to go to court every time that there is an infringement or there's something something isn't going the way that you want it to go jewishly it's either it's going to be absolutely contentious which will be bad for everyone involved. Right? Or you're just gonna have to learn a different way of operating. It just you can't it's very hard to force someone when they don't want to be forced. And so you're just to set expectations here for real life expectations, you have to kind of change where you may have been heading in in your mind previous to this and it's going to be rough it's not going to be hard not going to be easy to do it's exceptionally um, challenging emotionally if if a person is thinking well I want my children to be religious and then half the time they're in a situation where they're not religious it can be exceptionally emotionally uh, and spiritually challenging and so just to start with that conversation before we get into the nitty-gritty details Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be a challenge.
1: Yeah and so I think again that goes back to you know some of the other episodes where we've talked about you know self-regulation navigating all your feelings around that how to have respectful discourse with somebody that you deeply disagree with um, and how do you um, then make very clear guidelines um, around something that You know, is a pretty hot issue. Um, So, and again, I think those are the places where clarity is going to be your friend. Um, The more you can get kind of on paper, the less you're going to have to negotiate around a topic that's very painful and very emotional and very difficult.
0: Yeah, and and there's a grieving process for sure that needs to happen as a as as whoever the spouse is that's feeling like this isn't where I wanted my children to be headed towards and seeing the effect that they that may practically have on their levels of observance. There's a grieving process that needs to happen. And I don't mean sitting shiver for your children. That's not what I mean at all. It's just you had this vision of where you wanted things to go or how you thought things were going to be. And they're no longer going to be that. Mm -hmm. So letting go of that, letting go of that um, image, which, which to be honest, the image is not possible for anyone,
2: mm-hmm. in other
0: words, you know. They, I remember this famous Machanach, this famous teacher, was saying, Explain to me how Terah had Abraham and how Abraham had, had Ishmael, right? How Terah, the father of Abraham, right? Terah had this amazingly, you know, righteous son, Abraham, and Abraham had this terribly unrighteous son of Ishmael. Mm-hmm. I, the, the image of who your children are going to be no matter where you are even in perfect marriage yeah you
2: can't control that
0: image. but here in a very practical sense you have to grieve the vision of what it is you thought you were you were trying to you know foster in your children mm-hmm. and just let that go because it's not your if you if you continue to hold on to that vision you're just going to get crushed over and over again and triggered over and over again and and it's going to be a painful reality because you're going to want to hold on to this reality which isn't there and you're just not seeing what is there.
1: Yeah. And that's going to make, you know, it's, it's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult for you. It's going to create tension in the house and for the kids. And it's also going to make logistics almost impossible because every plan you try to make is going to be loaded with feelings and resistances and angers and hurts and disappointments and all, all the like. So, um, you know, as, as always in the divorce process, um, our responsibility is to be with our own feelings and process our own emotions and to really be on top of where is it right now that my emotions are driving the bus when actually what needs to happen right now is just to be able to make a good plan.
0: One one additional fact it's a factor to put in there for for the religious out there who are mm-hmm. who who are kind of struggling with. Um, having their children be in a less religious environment is, you know, recognize that Hashem is in control. Like, instead of you being in control of everything, you've now got to hand the reins over to Hashem. And that sounds like a little facetious, and it is a little bit facetious, but, you know, you can't control where your children are. You can't control what's going to happen to them.
1: And And you you can't control your ex.
0: Right. And so you've been given an amazing opportunity to really work on, on, Emuna, uh, on belief on trust and faith to say, you know what? I was hoping this would happen. Clearly Hashem had other plans. Right. And I'm now going to trust whatever this plan is, that for whatever reason this had to happen, this is happening right now and where it ends up, it ends up, it's not in my control. So Hashem should hashem should protect them and guide them and whatever it may be. Right. but I'm I can't control the situation. I recognize that I can only do the best for them while they're in my domain and that's another topic we wanted to explore mm-hmm. um, right in terms of creating that amazing re- relationship and warmth and caring and love and and really focusing on that more than all the other control aspects more than all the other meticulousness of halaha wherever it may be if you want. If you want to set up a, a situation of where your children will choose to follow the path that you you know think is the right one, the way to do that is not through enforcement. It's not through right. compliance. It's through connection. And that's really the rubric that I think is a, a, all parenting really is about. It's not just religious parenting, but uh, compliance is easy to do you instill fear you instill bad consequences you can get them to temporarily comply to what you're asking them to do right but that's short-lived and produces really bad emotional results around whatever it is that you're doing Mm
2: -hmm. it's really
0: about connection it's really about connecting to them and where they're at um in a deep heart to heart way and that's the way to really have long-term results with your children is to connect to them
1: yeah yeah beautiful I I think that compliance versus connection is just such an important paradigm. Um, Yeah, I I love it when you like refer to that. I think one of the other pieces here also that's worth mentioning before we go into the kind of blow by blow is um, this is a time to really decide what are the things that are worth fighting for and what are the things that are not, that you have to pick your battles. Um, when you're dealing just generally with holidays in general, whether, you know, things are amicable or not amicable, whether things are, whether you're on the same page religiously or not on the same page religiously, like making these schedules and organizing the holidays are a bit, is it's going to be also a process of picking your battles because the kids will remember the feel of the holiday much more than they will the holiday itself. And if the whole holiday is in in broiled in battles and squabbles and back and forths and da 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 that's also not going to accomplish anything and it's certainly not going to um create a, a good feeling for the hug so sometimes like it may be that this year this is the one you deal with and next year you'll deal with you know another piece but picking your battles and knowing that this is a long term sometimes a uh, game because you're going to be co-parents for the length of your children's lives or your lives, um, so it's really good around the holidays to just kind of have as one of the rubrics also is pick your battles. Okay. Next.
0: Um, I think just to recap, because there was a lot of headspaces, we're saying number one is to recognize you've you're you're not able to control the situation mm-hmm. right as much as you wish you could. That, that road leads to high tension and low connection mm-hmm. um, with your children. So recognizing as hard as it is, you've got to let go of control. Um, number two is to really recognize Hashem runs the show here mm-hmm. and and let him take control, right? Just hand over the reins to him. Um, make your home, your religious experience the warm, warmest that you possibly can, the most enjoyable that you possibly can and decide what what are your fights that you want to have what are the fights that you don't have what's important to you
2: mm-hmm. and
0: what's something that you can let go and, and, and choose to navigate it in another way
1: yeah awesome um okay i think there were a couple of other pieces around this idea of navigating when parents are on different pages religiously for the holidays um there were yeah, a couple
0: that was other a, things those are that... just, uh, just the attitudes i think we're going right. to get this more of the than the details now.
1: Right, okay. So why don't we start with the general approach to differences? Like, um, you know, how, how do you articulate those differences to your kids? Meaning like, here's what we do in this home. This is what we do in this home. And what are some of the ways that we navigate um, these general differences?
0: I think that that starting point is really a key to, as a paradigm for the children. Of just saying, hey guys, this is what we do in our home. What you do in your in your other parents' houses, that's you know that's that's the rules. Like, just every house has its rules, right?
1: It does. I mean, we're we have to say this is not the easiest way to go about it, right? There, it, it is helpful to have as much on the same page as possible. Um, and that there's consistency, but it, it you know that isn't always possible. So so yeah, I think conversations with the kids to establish, okay, are, there are going to be ways that things are going to be the same and the ways that things are going to be different. And here's what we do with the ways that are different.
0: Yeah, and and some of those rules evolve over time just yeah. so that we're clear it's not going sure. it to be obvious to you at first glance what are, the you know the lines in the sand that are gonna be different. Mm. Um you know we're we're talking about the festivals and Shabbat, but you know kosher comes up and a bunch of other issues come up. Mm-hmm. You know um so things things become clear over time. You know, as you progress you really get to understand what matters to you. And also, you know, what's something that really distinguishes you from you know, the other household?
1: Yeah, I think that's um, again, it's a long, it's a long game. So you know, choose what's important right now. Choose you know what's at the top of the heap um, for this particular year, um, and then you know, evaluate. I, I, it's always smart, anyways, to just reevaluate each year um, if there's something that needs to change.
0: And depending on the age of your children, yeah. there's going to be um, potential pushback. Yeah. So if, if if you're the partner who is more religiously inclined, you can find children who never, you know, question Shabbat and they're suddenly questioning it. And so navigating that for yourself, you know, there are ways to do that. There's ways to say, you know, as a family, this is what we do, but what you do in your bedroom is your own business. You know, there are ways to, to say, you know, these are our general rules. Um, and then, you know, there are exceptions, you know, there are different ways to navigate it, but just um, it's really, to be, to be quite honest, sometimes halachic questions aren't always the, the best route for these situations. Mm. Um, you know, everyone advises you to have a rabbi and ask them the questions, but sometimes there's a matter of, you know, knowing your children, mm-hmm. knowing where they're at, and, and recognizing, you know what, I gotta, I've gotta i got to do what works in the situation that I'm in today.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's also important to, you know, one of the pieces of advice that was given to me was, um, as kids get older, they'll start to vote with their feet in terms of where they want to be when. Um, You may have a separation agreement, but as kids become teens, they become more mobile on their own. Eventually, they'll, you know, they'll start to say where they want to spend most of their time. And so it's important to sort of, you know, keep that in mind as you're making your decisions and creating the feeling and in the place where you're living with them. Um, Not as like a threat hanging over your head, but just taking into account like that your kids will eventually um, decide where they would like to be for their holidays
0: right and and definitely navigating your own triggers around this because mm-hmm. it can be so triggering yeah. to have a situation like a seder where a child says i'm not interested in yeah right yeah yep. you don't have to do that at mom's house you don't have to do that at dad's house yeah so knowing that you're going to be challenged you need to regulate yourself On, you know, higher than usual. Yeah. You need to really breathe and go for walks and whatever it may be, but just know that your regulation is what's going to make the hug or the Shabbat good or bad.
1: Yeah, which which for some people will also mean navigating their own families because their family, you know, your parents might have an idea of where your kids should be spending Shabbat or your parents might have an idea of where everybody should be doing their Pesach leaders. Like, so you will f- sometimes find yourself sandwiched between, you know, what your kids want, what your ex wants, what you want, what your family wants, what your ex's family wants. Like, there's all kinds of very you know, high emotional moving pieces. Um, and if you can be the calm in the storm, it will bode well for you and for the things that you want and how you want things to be and for your kids in some way.
0: Right. And the clearer you are, like we said, before, the clearer you are on your boundaries, mm-hmm. the easier it will be. Because if, right. if it's an absolute red line, I remember one of my rabbis used to talk about the difference between a Uh, when you're raising a child, a door and a wall. Mm -hmm. He said that, you know, from a very young age, a child will go to a door and knock on the door until it opens. You know, it could take them a long time. They will keep on knocking until someone opens the door. Mm -hmm. Whereas they will not do that to a wall. They won't go and knock on a wall until the wall opens Mm -hmm. because they know that the door sometimes opens, right? So the wall never opens. So Mm -hmm. if your boundaries are like walls, if you're absolutely clear, I am not doing that that's mm-hmm. just not it's 100% not a discussion point it, right. there's no charge there's no there's no pushback because it's a wall um, as long as you're clear on that uh, if it's a door that's when there's a lot of knocking on that door so being clear with your relatives being clear with your ex being clear with your children what's a wall and what's a door can really make a difference about the charge that comes around the topic
1: yeah absolutely yeah for sure um. Okay. Do we wanted to get into like some of the details about particular holidays or Shabbat? Um. Maybe even like you know kosher. Um. How should we navigate some of that?
0: Um. I feel like the, the they're all rather large topics. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that we might maybe we'll dedicate a, another another discussion to the some of the nitty-gritty details of, the, of that but I feel Yeah, like I definitely
1: feel cool. like we could do an entire episode on just simply what do you do when parents are on different religious pages um because I think there's just so much to get into there. So I think when it comes to the holidays themselves, you know, Making sure that you understand the logistics, making sure you understand what everybody wants, and making sure that you're clear about the calendar and the schedule and the food and the changeover times and all of those things are those are all going to definitely, um, make your life a lot easier, um, because the holidays themselves can be stressful without all of this. Um, so maybe the last thing that we wanted to look at is, um, okay, so what if you are now spending half of the holidays by yourself? Um, whereas previously, you know, Rosh Hashanah and Pesach Seder's and Shabbat were with you know every single meal was with family and with friends and et cetera et cetera and now um, there are weeks where the kids are with your ex so how are we navigating um, the logistics of spending the holidays or Shabbat on your own?
0: Yeah, um, one last point before we go into the solo and just something that's a logistic for for. Uh, I mean me personally Mm -hmm. and perhaps for other people out there you know I was never the cook in my when I was married I was never the one in charge of cooking I'd help out I would do a meal here or there but I was not it wasn't my forte and it wasn't something that particularly spoke to me now that I'm having to do solo parenting I've had to learn how to cook a lot better Um, and it's some there's there's like a I think, I think, you know, we might want to do a, an episode on the skill, the skills you need to learn
2: um,
0: <laughs> when, because like suddenly you have to do right. Everything, everything, right? Yeah. So for a, for a man who doesn't have relatives in town with him, learning how to cook and how to navigate that can be a big challenge. And it's something that you want to like take piecemeal, just mm-hmm. like take one little piece at a time, learn it, learn it well, learn, it, learn how to make a kugel, learn how to make some chicken, learn how to make chicken soup, whatever mm. it may be. Those are some of the things that I've <laughs> you know gotten better at mm-hmm. but you know it's it's part of the logistics uh and and for a woman i guess that, that you know making kiddish, right doing, yep. doing some of the masculine parts you know that that you may never have done before as well there's a learning curve there yeah as well. for
1: sure i you know i had to learn how to how to make kiddish on my own and and actually you know it became a really cool exploration for me to to notice, what do I like when I'm having Shabbat by myself? What do I want to eat? What are the things I can eat that no one else likes that only I like? Um, um, as a woman, like who often cooked for and hosted, um, how do you make a Shabbat meal just for one? Um, you know, that's the. You know, those are portions that are just totally different. Um, and also learning how to make havdala and all of these different things are, are new skills to be acquired that you didn't necessarily need when you were part of, say, like a team that was hosting those kinds of things. Um, but I, you know, I will say even though there were parts of it that were, um, you know, either sad at the beginning or difficult at the beginning, the dance and the exploration of what that looked like to have, you know, what is Shabbat in my space feel like, look like, sound like um, when it's just me or when it's just me and the kids. Um, There's a lot of beauty to that exploration um, when you can get there.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, that there, for sure there's a period of mourning and grief and and Mm -hmm. adjustment, but you can also flip it on its head and really look at this as an opportunity to really enjoy Shabbat in a really calm space that Mm -hmm. you may not have had for quite a while. And, you know whether it's a great safer or a great book that you want to read and uh, or a connection with a friend that you haven't really had a time to do mm-hmm. there's really amazing opportunities to be tapped into when you're alone it's not just a, a woe is me yeah. i'm all alone it really can be an opportunity for growth and yeah. self-exploration
1: and, and actually maybe this is something we haven't necessarily touched on although i think we mentioned it in one episode but um sometimes specifically and intentionally taking that alone time Um, because there is a period of recovery after divorce and sometimes specifically taking that time by yourself to sleep the whole day, to not have to talk to people, to have whatever feelings you're having, to take advantage of the days when you're by yourself. Um, And if you're observant, not connected to the internet or watching TV, um, it it can really be a gift um, of time to heal. So maybe recognizing sometimes that that can be a real boon.
0: Right, but for the extroverts out there, um, sometimes (laughs) you need to really connect to lots of people and get yourself invited out. It it definitely- definitely Or host, right?
1: Have a bunch of people over, have a few people over, have one person over. Um, you know, that's also something you can do is you can start to create experiences in your own space.
0: Right. And one of the things I advise, advise one of my clients to do is in his in his mind to start kind of quote-unquote interviewing hosts. Mm. I don't mean that literally, but like mm-hmm. trying out different hosts to see, okay, what works with them? What, what fits? What's the kind of place I like going to? What's not? It does take a little bit of bravery to invite yourself to someone's house. Mm-hmm. Um, It's not always that they're inviting you, but most people just need the slightest hint and they'll be willing and happy. Most people are really happy to host, especially Mm -hmm. someone who is by themselves. There's there's an extra kind of, oh, wow, I I would love to help out. Um, So, you know, even if it's uncomfortable for you, you can also ask the rabbi, say, hey, could you, you know, put the word out that I'm looking for meals? Um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, figuring out whether you're willing Willing to go to your ex's place for a meal It's part of this discussion, you mm-hmm. know. If, um your ex's family, is it is it do you feel comfortable there? Sometimes you've got a great relationship with them, sometimes you don't have a great relationship with it. But yep. clarifying that for yourself. Um, yeah, anything else we missed out?
1: I think that's it. I, I I think there's just so many you know, the holidays are often a time um that already has its own stresses. Um, You know, certainly everybody culturally thinks that if you're not losing your mind cleaning for Passover, it's not really Passover. So like, and we know that's not true, but the holidays already come with their own stressors. Um, The added stressor of a new divorce or figuring out where, who's when, where, um, you know, really puts the focus on the fact that regulating yourself and and being real with your emotions and asking for support right like hey i'm it's coming up to passover i know this is going to be rough for me um and you know calling on your support systems to help you figure out logistics navigate your emotions prepare yourself um get get clear and real about your expectations of what this is really going to look like so that you are not in the middle of dinner and just totally disappointed um you know all of those there's the work you do before during and after and i think the work you do before the holidays is is um essential
0: yeah and like you said asking about support i remember a three-day yontif Mm-hmm. where getting invited up for one or two meals was such a big difference in the level of preparation I needed to do. Yeah. And so, you know, thinking of that ahead of time that mm-hmm. can really ease your burden makes, makes a big difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that I found was I started to invite a few families that we're friends with over because it was really nice for my kids to have people at the table with us. Like, it's nice being just us, Um, you know, me and my kids, Um, but it's also nice sometimes having other families and other kids there too. It makes it more raucous and, you know, lively and, and sort of fun in that way. So deciding for the different holidays, would you like it to be just you and your kids? Would you like it to have, you know, all of your family? Um, that there are lots of creative ways to make it work. And like you said, it might be different year to year. They may be years, you know, where you you need a little downtime and it, it you don't want 20 people at your table. You just want to be you and your kids. Um, and giving yourself the space and the creativity to figure that out um, each holiday and then each year, um, I think is a really great way to get, you know, get creative.
0: Yeah, and just to add to add to that, just so that any of the, recently divorced men out there that are overwhelmed by the idea of hosting other families at their house mm-hmm. um there is there are stages imagine like yeah. you suddenly became the host of a family of five
2: mm-hmm. you know it,
0: your your ex had time to learn the skill set to slowly go from you know two people to three people to four people to five people to having guests whatever it may be mm-hmm. whereas you're being thrown into the deep end with an entire family mm-hmm. of all different ages or whatever it may be that you're having to suddenly get good at providing a meal for yep. and in a way that you've never had to before. So just to know that it does get easier, you get better at it. And you know, there's a long runway. You don't have to rush into anything that you're not ready for. Yeah. And if it means going to eat by your mother's house
1: you know, for the first
0: year, like if that's possible, go for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right.
0: So summary, we said, first of all, Amicable versus non-amicable, you know, good fences make good neighbors. The, the more details you get in a non-amicable situation, the better you're off. Mm-hmm. You are um, in terms of logistical questions, getting really clear what you want. What do you want? How do you set up the, the yearly schedule? making sure you've got all the different ideas of maybe a two-year schedule. Maybe it's a, you're figuring out what time of day you're going to be switching over, who's getting the presence for the festivals, that you doing one day each, all the different questions that you need to think about. You need to really get clear what you want in order for you to have a, a positive interaction and negotiation during the divorce settlement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You want to take over the next part of the summary?
1: Sure. Um, you know, the next part we looked at is just, you know, general logistics for um, the Chagim themselves. So, um, oh, one of the things we didn't mention is, you know, dealing with shul and synagogue and community events. Like, what does that look like if you are at shul and your ex is at shul? I think that's something we'll talk about, you know, uh, in, a, in another episode. But I, I think really, you know, good boundaries and having those hard conversations and regulating your own emotions, um, that that's really going to help make the holidays as easy as possible. And then we talked a little bit about, in general, what do you do when you're dealing with a difference in observance levels? Um, and we you know, did an overview of letting go of control, that you can't control your kids' outcomes, you can't control your ex. And that, you know, having bitachon and faith and emuna in those moments um, where things are not the way that you imagine they would be or not the way you want them to be can really allow you to regulate yourself and, and make a, a good feeling for however things are and picking your battles and um, making your environment feel the best that it possibly can be. Um, and we also talked about um, that beautiful idea of, um, you know, that you brought about compliance versus connection.
0: Yeah, and then the, the basically the nitty gritty details of you know, differences in the way the different houses do do things. What are the rules in this house? What are the rules in that house? Getting clear what's important to you and how that will change over time. Um, you know, public places in your house versus private spaces, maybe there's a difference mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. And then the final piece of you know, when you're by yourself, using it as a time potentially to really enjoy the day or connect to the day or heal or or rest whatever it may be but just not always looking at it sure you will there will be a lot of pain there'll be a lot of grieving of you know I'm not with my kids right now you know but they can also be oh wow I'm not with my kids right now like Mm -hmm. imagine I'm on a vacation how would that feel right um so it's uh there is an opportunity to to see the silver lining as well
1: and so I'd like to, I'd love to mention that um, anyone who's listening, if you have found creative ways to deal with the holidays, if you have found creative ways to navigate um, uh, Xs being on different religious levels, we would love to hear from you um, and we'll include your questions, your feedback, your hacks, your ideas, um, and your ideas for topics um, in upcoming episodes. Um, so I think that's it for today. Thanks, Devin.
0: Awesome. Great episode. Bye, guys.
1: Thanks for joining us. If you have an idea for an episode or a question for either David or myself, don't hesitate to reach out or you can leave us a voice message. The link for that is in the liner notes. If you think you know someone who could benefit from any of our information, ideas, tools, or conversations, please go ahead and share this podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on whatever podcast app you're using. And please leave us a rating and review so anyone who is trying to find us can do so more easily. Remember, you're not alone. You got this. And we're all working together to get transformed. Bye for now.